Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Attention all campers! The All-American Spook Show welcomes you to enroll in Camp Spook Show this summer. We have activities for all ages, including archery, canoeing, swimming, and running for your lives. Welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with Donnie Yo. and the Professor Smoke. Oh. Uh, Willie couldn't join us once again. He's on assignment. Um, he, he ducked out last week for uh, hot chili, which, you know, bravo, right? <laughs> he's, the, he's the smart one there. He, he got out of that one. But unfortunately, he's not he's not here for Madman, which is a, a, a marked improvement. But that's a pretty low bar. So, yeah. <laughs> But we'll we'll get into uh, all of our thoughts on Madman and everything. But uh, one last thing to clean up uh, the the uh, diarrhea from hot chili was that I did get a chance to talk to Will, and he gave one cannonball, just like uh, Donnie and I did. And uh, yeah. S- Smoke, you gave hot chili one and a quarter, and then Austin uh, Trunick, author of the Canon Film Guide, he gave it two cannonballs. So uh, I say all that to say that the you add them up, do the math. The consensus was. A, uh, one and a quarter cannonballs. That's the final tally for old hot chili. Not yeah, good. we're still young in the uh, you know the cannon fodder series, but that's easily the lowest rated. Yeah, cannon, well, the, yeah, that's only uh, the third cannon fodder we've done, but we did do two other cannon movies, like you mentioned in that episode, mm. Ten to Midnight and uh, New Year's Evil. Yeah, and yeah. none of those, none of those other four films <laughs> got anywhere and- close to this. Austin, you know, he gave it two cannonballs, so he knows something that we don't know, and that is he's probably seen just about every, if not every, cannon film. Yeah. So he knows that there's some other stinkers out there that we'll probably at some point get to. And, uh, wow, yeah. I, I don't know that I'll really want to see anything worse than Hot Chili, but... I can think of one or two, you know, that probably are as bad, or if not worse, but, yeah. And I haven't seen anywhere near the uh, amount of cannon films that he's seen, so, yeah, we'll... We'll take his word for it, but that's 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 pretty bad. If <laughs> he has to give that one too, because there's worse. My God, what have we done? All right, so yeah, today we are uh, we're, we're going back to the horror reviews. Now that we've got hot chili in the rearview mirror, and uh, this was Smoke's turn in the rotation. So, uh, Smoke, what have you brought for us today? Mm, we got Madman from 1981, uh, same year that the Burning, that your choice was the Burning, or yeah. uh, mm-hmm. an old one, uh, same year. Also, there's another similarity that we'll get to as we go into the story. I'm sure y'all know that similarity too, but we'll get to that, I guess, as we as we yeah, come to it. Definitely a lot of similarities here because a lot of these movies, let's face it, they're all kind of the same movie in a way, you know. But they they yeah. do have things that differentiate themselves from the others, you know, that make that, that do make them unique. But and also, the, uh, another thing there there was a weird release date thing with this one that we'll get in, uh, you know, I'll get into in just a minute, but. As far as like when this movie actually came out, because it says 1981, but it wasn't 1981 when it eventually saw the full light of day. But we'll get into that. But before we get into the the background and uh, anything else, I'll go ahead and throw out the usual information. You can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, of course, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Slasher app, TikTok. Uh, all these links are down in the show notes, the link tree there. You click on that and it should take you to everywhere you, you might want to go, including our YouTube page where... Over there, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. East, we do Deadline Horror News Live, where we talk about the latest horror headlines, conventions, new releases, all kinds of stuff going on. That's every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. East. And, of course, we have our Tee Public page, where you can go get logoed merchandise, other cool designs that we've put up there. 
and uh, one of our big attractions is patreon.com slash aaspookshow where we have all kinds of bonus stuff bonus podcasts every month uh, uh, like spook show rewinds the biggest draw there is probably crapster piece theater we do those every month professors retro review articles tons more early access to the podcasts over there so we encourage you to go check that out and become a patron of the spook show to help us out so uh, without any further build up i'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for madman Many strange things happen around here. There is a tale. It was a night like tonight, many years ago. There is a legend. If you say his name above a whisper, he'll get you. Warning. On certain nights, when the moon is full, he's out there stalking in the woods. There is a madman. His name is Mars. Mad Man. You're fooling with things beyond your control. All right, there you go. That's the trailer for that. So, Donnie, I'm going to assume, well, I guess I shouldn't assume, you never know with you, it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time you've seen this or no? I have seen it before. It's been, God, it's been so long, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I probably saw this in the mid-90s. So either way, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been... Smoke, uh, well, it, I'm sure it hasn't been a while for you. It was probably just last week, right? Oh, it's been a little bit. I mean, it hasn't been quite as long as back in the 90s, but it's probably been a couple of years anyway, last time I've seen it. Maybe years ago maybe three i've seen it more than a handful of times since it came out on vhs probably maybe not you know not including this time probably maybe five other times that i've seen it so it's not one that i've seen you know as it's kind of like the burning in that but in that sense and i also the burning was one that i didn't the video stores in my hometown there's a lot of them and they had all kinds of crap all kinds of stuff you couldn't that you, you know you would have a hard time finding when Blockbuster came along, or even Hollywood came along, some of these just kind of obscure, obscure things that the mom and pop video stores had. But for some reason, it took me a while to track down the burning. I didn't talk about that on that episode, but I don't know why. I don't know. None of the ones I finally found one. There was like I don't know, maybe ten or twelve video stores in a twenty-mile radius, and I had a membership to just about all of them. Mm-hmm. I did track down the burning, and, and but uh, long story short, on that, only these two movies. I've had, I've seen them less times than I've seen, say, the Friday the Thirteenth films, or you know, or Maniac, or, or things like that. But uh, just because they were, they weren't quite as easy to find as the Friday the Thirteenth films in the video stores. And when I did find Madman and The Burning, I of course dubbed them off immediately, and so I'd have my bootleg to watch whenever I wanted. Oh wait, not. <laughs> well, well, ixnay, ixnay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, myself, like, I, I remember watching this at some point back in the the 90s or early 2000s, you know, and then it just kind of went away. You know, once, you know, it was kind of like once I've seen it, I've seen it. You know, it wasn't one that, like, I yeah. saw it out to watch over and over again or anything like that. I remember enjoying it, but just, you know, it wasn't something I saw it out. And then I saw it again, like, a, a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's up there, you know, for me personally. But this time around, I watched it on Tubi. Now, uh, I will add... A couple things before we move on. Number one, we are a spoiler-filled podcast, so for whatever reason you haven't seen Madman, hit pause now. And it is available to watch over on Tubi, Pluto TV, and the Roku channel as of the recording of this episode here in July of 2022. You know, those things change month to month. You know, could be on a completely different service uh, by the time we get to August. But as of right now, Tubi, Pluto, and the Roku channel, you can watch it for free. Um, but I watched it on Tubi, and there was a pretty good version of it on there. Although I don't know if it was like the 
that more recent 4K restoration or anything like that. It didn't, didn't look quite that good. Yeah, I thought, oh, you said you, the 2B one was a 4K restoration? I don't, I don't think it was. I, I, I would, I I'd be surprised movie. if it was. Well, I thought it was 4K, and, uh, <laughs> you know, this movie was shot in 1980 or whatever. came out in 81. Semi-low budget. Shot mostly at night. <laughs> so I don't know that the 4K was really necessary. And I don't know that I really noticed 4K that much, you know, as far as it. It looked good, but, I mean, it looks a lot better than the VHS did being washed out and whatnot, you know. Uh, and probably it looks better than the DVD did. I used to have the Anchor Bay DVD. It looks better than that, but I don't know that the four, you know, if you're looking at this for, you know, such, you know, it's a great quality version of Madman, tons better than the, any other prior ones that came out, you're probably not going to notice too huge of a difference with it. That being said, though, I never watch 4K in the proper way, I guess. I never <laughs> use that, whatever that filter is. You know what I'm talking about, where you, you yeah. people get the, they, the soap opera effect or whatever, yeah, where yeah. it gives mm, it yeah. clean. And it looks and more that. like a, somebody shot it off of like a really good camcorder or something like that kind of weird movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it's all, it's so crisp and clean that it, it, it makes it look fake at that point. It almost, yeah. It doesn't have a film quality anymore. So I just don't like that filter. So I keep it off. So somebody might argue that, well, you're not really getting the full 4K effect. And that's probably true. But I still think that the 4K disc, even if you don't watch it with that filter, it still has a little bit better quality than, say, just a, a standard Blu-ray. At least I, I think so, anyway. Yeah. Looking at my, like I said, I, if, I, if I'm talking about a 4K, people might think that I'm talking about that look or the, you know, the full-on 4K effect. I, I just don't like that effect. So I never even turn it on, so I can't really judge how it looks when you have that filter on. But other than that, it's probably the best I've ever seen it look prior to any other home video release. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, dive into some of the background here. Now, it was originally titled Madman: The Legend Lives. And then I guess sometime after that, they just changed it to Madman. Um, but it did have two separate working titles while they were filming. One was Madman Mars, and another one was just The Legend Lives. So I think Madman Mars would have... I mean, Madman's fine. I mean, I'm cool with that, you know, as a title. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. dra- it draws your it's eyes, memorable. draws your attention, yeah, either way. But I think Madman Mars would have been kind of cool, too. You know, although that might have been... That might have confused some people to think it maybe it's sci-fi or something, because Mars, you know, maybe that's why they dropped it. Yeah, well, there's... There's a weird, interesting thing in there I heard Gary Sales, the producer, say about the Mars, where that came from. And it's something that you would, you would never in a million years think of influencing this movie. But he said he was listening to Holt, the classical composer, Holt, the planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's Mars, Fear of War is one of the, the songs on that composition. And he was listening to that. And, I mean, if you ever listen to that song, I mean, you, you wouldn't think, how does that equate to this movie yeah. at all? I mean, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could just as easily say, well, I was looking at a list of the planets and Mars stuck out. There we go, you know. <laughs> or I was eating a Mars bar, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess, it, you know, not so much the, the, the tone of the music, but I guess the, just the name Mars. Just, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They yeah. would use this as his name or whatever and, and change it to the Z or <laughs> the spelling or whatever. Now, I'll read this, little, this little excerpt. Uh, this is straight from Wikipedia about, like, how it got, you know, it came out and was distributed. This is what I mentioned earlier. Uh, it remained in distribution limbo through 1981 until being acquired by Jensen Farley Pictures at the end of the year. And then in January of 1982, it screened in Wilmington, Delaware, random, in Detroit, Michigan. It had its premiere in New York City the following year on January 7th, 1983, and in Los Angeles on February 18th, 1983. Then over the course of the year, it became a sleeper hit in the drive-in circuit and ultimately grossed $1.35 million in the United States. So that's where I say, you know, like, it, it, you know, it's listed as a movie from 1981, but it didn't, it looks like it, to me, it didn't really see the full light of day until 1983. Also then, I guess that's a good point to talk about the uh, the fact that we mentioned earlier about The Burning it did come out in 1981. And the fact that that movie is based on Crossy and this movie was actually based on Crossy. Yeah. Uh, opposed to be Crossy in, in Not Madman Mars. And uh, I guess when they got wind that the other one was com- was being made and that it would probably be finished before theirs, they decided to change it to, uh, you know, still keep the same storyline. Basically, it's a Cropsey-type folklore storyline, but just changing the name to Madman Mars, a few other little details. Yeah, and, th- and that's interesting, too, because, like, how this movie uh, would have been different if it was more directly about, say, the Cropsey, you know, even they just mm-hmm. call it Cropsey, whatever, you know. if it, it So then you could more, even more directly compare it to The Burning, That'd be interesting, you know, to see what kind of movie would have come out of that. Oh, yeah. Which one in the end would have been better. It's almost like when we, we kind of compared uh, when we talked about The Howling last summer 
and uh, an American Werewolf in London. It, oh yeah, it would have been something like that, in my opinion. You know, some type of close comparison. Yeah, it's strange. It's kind of strange how things. You know, nothing's planned, but things fall together that way sometimes. Where there's two exactly the same types of movies being shot together and they're kind of going to come out around the same time, without it being not a copycat thing. It's just a fluke, and and that's basically kind of what happened with the burning and yeah, Mad as well. I couldn't find exactly when this came out on you know VHS, so I assume sometime after say '83, probably '84 to '86, somewhere around there. You would imagine. I'm not, I'm not dead sure. But it was released on DVD in 2002 by Anchor Bay. Uh, that one had a non-anamorphic transfer. And then it was released on DVD again by Code Red in September of 2010. This one was anamorphic and uh, had you know a lot of bonus materials. Uh, but mm-hmm. apparently it had a, an inferior transfer to the Anchor Bay DVD. Because it lacked, uh, from what I read, it lacked blue hues present in the original negative. But then on in May of 2015, Vinegar Syndrome released it on Blu-ray for the first time, and that's where the uh, new 4K restoration from the original negatives came from. So I assume that's what you watched, or is that a different, newer one? No, it was that Vinegar Syndrome okay. 4K restoration. So I, I never saw Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, but I did have the, before this, I had the Anchor Bay disc, and yeah, it was, like I said, non-anamorphic. A little, an improvement over the VHS, but not a whole lot. This is much better than either of those. Really, probably the best it's ever going to look. But it basically saw the full light of day, like we said, by the year 1983. Um, but it was released by the Legend Lives Company, or that's who it was produced by, and then it was distributed, as we mentioned earlier, by Jensen Farley Pictures. Uh, it was rated R, total runtime of one hour and 28 minutes, and it was filmed at, at the Fish Cove Inn in Southampton, New York, from November to December of 1980. With a budget of roughly, from what I could tell, about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, I read that as well. I think that's funny that, like, also too, and I'm sure we'll talk about this once we get into the movie itself. Is like this one, if you think about it, kind of falls a little bit out of our criteria for Camp Spook Show because it's a fall camp. What the fuck? <laughs> Where who who goes to a fall camp? Because because <laughs> they make direct mention of like, all right, you're about to take. We're about to uh, let everybody loose, or you're about to take break or whatever because Thanksgiving. Wait, what? So yeah, like, what kind of camp? You know, <laughs> when when all the kids are at school, <laughs> this place is in, is in session. And then the, uh, I only mentioned that to say that one of the things that I that I heard in the background of this was that they started losing the color of the leaves. Yeah. So they go through and they start painting the leaves green and stuff, <laughs> but then they make direct mention of the fact that it's in the fucking fall. So like, why go through the trouble? Of painting the leaves green when it's supposed to be the fall. Yeah, I don't know if that sounds like maybe they maybe they were gonna do it in the summer and then they changed things because of first of all they yeah they had to they paint the leaves but also I heard another story where they had to hot glue leaves because, <laughs> because as it got on later into the winter the leaves the leaves had totally fallen off the trees not only did they turn brown but they fell off yeah like I said I mean, they had to this go was, and glue these leaves onto the trees yeah I mean I think I saw it wrapped up it was like basically mid December so you know you're only like a week or two away from Christmas. By the time this thing, you know, wrapped up. So, yeah, like, there's probably no leaves by the by the end. But it also is interesting. You kind of mentioned it, too, how it's nighttime throughout the movie. I think this is, like, uh, one of the rare examples where the movie is entirely shot in the dark. Yeah, the no-day scene. Yeah, yeah, at all. It's all in the dark. Usually, even, even still, at that time period, you see a lot of movies that would shoot, you know, day for night. Mm. They didn't do this here. You can clearly tell it's it's in the middle uh, of the night. And I can't think of the cinematographer's name right now. And it's not the cinema, the name is not the name that's on the credits. Uh, IMDb might have it right, but uh, they, the producer said that they, for whatever reason, they wanted to change. His, he wanted to change his name or not use his real name. And uh, <laughs> but it is the same cinematographer that did this forty five. So and that movie had a lot of good you know nighttime shots. And I have I a mean, fi- okay, uh, James Lemo. James. Oh yeah, that's it. That's the real. That's his real name or his fake name? No, that's his real name, the limo name. Okay, no, I got it here. Yeah, it's cinematography by James Limo, but he went by the name James Momel. So they just what do they call that when you mix up your name? It's like an anagram, or they basically just flip the spelling of his name around. It's not Limo, it's Momel. (laughs) The only the only other thing I can think of is possibility. Maybe he was contract. I mean, he was he was. I don't know what you see there for his credits, but I know he did this forty five. He might have been contract for. Something else, and well, no, I think what it what what I was going to say a second ago is uh, what I saw somewhere in my research for this movie 
apparently this movie was non-union so that's why there's a lot of people in this movie that like they didn't go by their real names including like some of the stars which we'll go over here in just a second mm. that's why so like i guess they didn't yeah. want to get blackballed or whatever the fuck so they all had fake names you know <laughs> so yeah smoke you uh yeah you hit the nail on the head it's uh his looks like his first uh dp role was uh miss 45 and then he did madman directly after this i'm sorry directly after that I mean, it takes somebody with some talent. If you're going to shoot a movie completely in the dark, <laughs> it takes yeah. somebody with some talent to get the lighting and everything right yeah. for the film. You know, the film. The Otherwise, yeah. you end up with, or you shoot day for night, and it's you know a crew a crew of people that know that know what they're doing and know how to light it and mm-hmm. you know shoot it right and everything. Yet, then when you're working with that low of a budget, too. But it was directed and a screenplay by Joe Giannone. Very brief uh, filmography. As in, you know, basically he was just the assistant director on the Clonus Horror and then maybe something else. And that was it. Like, he, he didn't really do much. Uh, he yeah. Unfortunately, he died in December of 2006 at the age of 60, so he's no longer with us. But the this is also a story by Joe Giannone and the producer, Gary Sales, who would, who would also be known as being the first assistant director on Vampire's Kiss. You know, the Nicolas Cage flick. And, of course, one of our favorites yeah. here. That I know we will get to on Crapster Peace Theater, Garen fucking Tiet, Mr. Nanny. He was the first <laughs> assistant director on Mr. Nanny. <laughs> but he has gone on to some, you know, medium amount of success. I mean, he's still active today. So there's so there's Madman and Mr. Nanny. There's you. There you go, Donnie. Um, oh man. I know that he said before they made this movie, they they had to decide him and Janoni what they were gonna do, like whether they were gonna do they they had three options, either porn action or horror <laughs> porn at that time was like pretty much run by the mafia so they said that was out of the, that was off the table action required a bit too much of a budget you know to get the stunts and all that stuff right so that was all so they just and uh, <laughs> madman was the result well there you go at, le- at least it turned out good you know we'll, yeah, oh, yeah. at least there's that music in this movie was by Stephen horlick uh, i only mentioned him because it's interesting for him he actually won a grammy later later in life after this, for the theme for Reading Rainbow, which I thought hey, that was worthy. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 dude that did the music for Madman is the same dude that did the Reading Rainbow theme. So that's his uh, claim to fame. The movie stars Galen Ross as Betsy. Now, but in this movie, she's not credited as Galen Ross. She used the uh, fake name of Alexis Dubin. Once again, the uh, for the same reasons we mentioned earlier. She she has had a, a good long career, but mostly as a documentarian. Because as far as like starring roles, she she only had this movie, Dawn of the Dead, and Creepshow, which we already talked about her briefly, mm-hmm. all the way back in episode seventeen when we did Creepshow. So, but I think that was pretty much it for her. Like everything else since then is you know work on her documentaries, and I think uh, I, I saw or read somewhere where like apparently this movie she never talks about. Like I, I guess maybe you get her to talk about Dawn of the Dead or Creepshow, possibly I don't know, but. She won't talk about Madman. So go figure. I, I, I know. I heard her say in an interview about the reason why she stopped acting after Creepshow. It was the scene, you know, she was shooting the scene. Her and Ted Danson were basically getting, you know, covered by the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was saying something to Romero, and and uh, she she had an epiphany of like, like, why am I doing this? I should be on the other side of the camera. Then I wouldn't be stuck in this hole with this water covering my head. <laughs> she didn't be directing. So at that point, she didn't act at all anymore and became a director of the yeah, documentary. Yeah. But she is the, you know, as far as like recognizable faces, she is it really for, you know, in this cast. But we also have Tony, Tony Nunziata as TP. But in this movie, once again, he's using a fake name, Tony Fish. There's nothing in particular to speak of for him. He has a fairly short list, but he's the guy that sang the song. I don't need words. That's the song that's playing in the hot tub scene in this movie. <laughs> that cheap ass song <laughs> that is playing. Yep. That's him <laughs> singing the song to his own scene, his own lovemaking scene. <laughs> oh, I guess there's something pimp about that, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to shoot this sex scene, and then I'm going to sing the damn song. Fuck all of yous. But see, in, yeah, that, that, in that hot tub, that whole hot tub scene, I, I did hear Galen Ross say something about that on the uh, did it, the 4K disc mm-hmm. special features. She mentioned that her the love scene that they had in the hot tub, she had given him some advice on the kissing scene. In other words, I guess how to make it look good, how to do this or what. And then he took offense to that, got out of the hot tub and went into the sauna and stayed in the sauna for like, he just stayed in there. And finally took the DP, I think, to go in there and say, hey, uh, 
or you know, to talk them out of there, saying, "Well, you know, what if we do it in a comedic sort of way? We shoot the hot tub scene in, a, you know, kind of humor in it or whatever." And then he finally came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's definitely some humor in that scene. There, there's no doubt about that. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the song that he sang, "I Don't Need Words," added to the humor of the of the scene. So <laughs> that's what we got. Um, Tom Gan- Tom Candela as Richie, probably the most notable thing that you know our our listeners would recognize him from is he was in the movie Night Shift. And of course, Paul Ellers as Madman Mars. Uh, he still does stuff today, but the, probably the only other things that you may recognize him at all for would be Inc- the movie called Ink and Steel. And then another more recent one called Devil's Five, which looks like, you know, I saw the trailer for it. It looks, it doesn't look all that good, but <laughs> it looks, you know, like a kind of an indie, you know, kind of flick. But there you go. That's, that's the cast and crew and everything. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to point out before we uh, get into the heart of the matter here? I did notice that, uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I read where uh, there was a, a time during filming where that uh, Paul Eller's uh, son was born. He went to the hospital in not really full makeup, you know, I'm sure he took his mask off or whatever it was, but uh, he had went to the hospital basically covered in fake blood and <laughs> was holding his holding his uh, his newborn son. And I think his uh, his son got a credit uh, in the in the film, like special thanks or whatever. And there was also uh, another uh, little note that when because they, they were shooting this uh they were shooting this in 1980, I believe it was. Um, yeah, it was November but, to December of 80. Yeah, they uh, uh, they stopped filming for one day uh, after they after it was announced that you know John Lennon was shot, and killed. Yeah. Um, so they stopped filming for a day, and then I guess out of respect or whatever, and resumed. Yeah. Well, obviously that was a big deal, a really yeah, big deal yeah. at the time. So yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, one, That's it for me. one other thing I, f- I forgot to mention, this movie was nominated for a, uh, Saturn award in 1982 for it. Like I said, nominated for best low budget film, uh, smoke. You'd probably be interested to hear what the, uh, nominees were in 1982 <laughs> for best low budget film for the Saturn awards. Madman, the unseen butcher Baker, nightmare maker, oh. <laughs> Alice, sweet Alice and, oh, and fear no evil. And the winner of the best low budget film Saturn Award was Fear No Evil. Oh, mm. Fear No Evil. Yep. I would I would have said that yeah, Madman up against those movies. As much as I like Madman, I might have would have went Alice Sweet Alice even on those. I don't know if y'all have seen that one, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. some stiff competition. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all those movies we'll probably get around to at some point or another. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Why fuss and fret about dinner? Why not have it right here? Yes, this drive-in offers everyone in the family a real picnic treat for dinner. We've got delicious sandwiches with all the trimmings and your other dinner favorites, plus whatever you want to drink, hot or cold. Come early before the show starts, or eat while you're being entertained, or at intermission time. So why fuss? Give your family a tasty dinner at this drive-in. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So as what we normally do is we'll go over to Audible and we'll just type in, say, like something that has to do with the movie or whatever to see what pops up. So I just go in and type in Madman, and here's what we hit. Here's what we get. The Professor and the Madman. So that's uh, you and Madman Mars, Smoke. Oh, all right. Cool. By Simon Winchester, and that one's uh, about seven, almost seven and a half hours long. So there you go. The Madman by Khalil Gibran. Uh, that one's uh, well, that one's only not even quite an hour long, so that's pretty short. We'll go on with one more that's just a little longer. Madman in the Woods: Life Next Door to the Unabomber by Jamie Gehring. Uh, that one's almost ten and a half hours long. So, and that's uh, it looks like an Audible exclusive. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that pops up when you type in Madman. A lot. <laughs> The closest you're going to get, though, to the this movie, Madman in the Woods, although it's nothing at all to do with yeah. Madman Mars. But. Completely different type of Madman. But yeah, anyway, so if you want to, if any of those interest you, you can uh, download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. So as we normally do here here lately, I'll just go hop over to IMDb and look at their plot summaries. And we've got two here, one literally one sentence and then a little longer. Uh, the first one is the you know the one sentence IMDb synopsis of a legendary psychopathic murderer stalks a summer camp. Even that though, you know the summer camp thing, right? There's that again. It's like 
They make it abundantly clear this is a fall camp, not a summer camp. But whatever. <laughs> so the next, or the last one that we have, is uh, posted on IMDb by Umberto Amador. Uh, it seems like I've read that name before. Like some, uh, There was an Umberto Amador plot summary that we've read before on another movie. But either way, uh, at a summer camp for youths, cocky preteen calls out the name of mass serial killer Madman Mars. Suddenly, counselors are being maimed and slaughtered in various ways by the backwoodsman who has returned when his name was called. So there we go. That's the uh, plot summaries over there. And that, that pretty much, I mean, you, you can guess what this movie's about. You know, it's like I just said, dude... Dude, it's like this uh, mythic. It's almost like Bloody Mary. You call out his name. What What did they say? Like, <laughs> you say his name above a whisper, he's going to come kill your ass, basically, yeah. right? That's the premise. Yeah. So some some dickhead, Richie, jumps up and says, Madman Mars! And then all hell breaks <laughs> loose. Yeah, verbatim. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Madman Mars! <laughs> That's what... <laughs> just like that. But yeah, like, right, right out the gates, the fall camp thing, like, that was just weird because now they did point out like these are I guess these are like uh, gifted children kind of thing like they're they're all really smart kids or something so maybe that's why they're in a fall camp like <laughs> they're too smart for school so they get to go to fall camp up until Thanksgiving yeah I don't know right at right at the beginning though that campfire scene I love that that was cool yeah I, I mean I think it sets the a... scene and explains everything the way it needs to you know you know like. They don't, they don't spend a whole hell of a lot of time on it. You know, it's just that first 10 minutes or so campfire scene. TP gets up and sings that song, <laughs> the, uh, the story of Madman Mars, uh, which you get a it's slightly a better than the hot tub song. Yeah, no doubt. And you do get a better rendition of it at the end of the movie. Remember they play the song again at the end. So you get a slightly better version, but I think it sets the scene, you know, the, of the creepiness and everything of the campfire and. Tells the story as much as you need to know about the story, and then, bam, here we go. You know, you're into it. So I thought it was a pretty well done uh, scene to, uh, to kind of set things up there. As far as the go down the list of the kills, the first one was that random drunk. <laughs> what is he, like the, the, the camp chef or something? Dippy? Yeah. <laughs> Dippy, yeah. He just walks up, gets his throat slit, so he's the first to go. The second one was TP getting uh, mm. get being hung. Well, I, I'd say that's kind of a, a iconic scene from this movie, though, right, Smoke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The hanging scene where he's and he's he's sitting there fighting it, right? He's like pulling himself up on the rope, and then he then he actually gets contact with a limb on his hands, and he's like, "Oh, he's pulling himself up. Okay, may, maybe he'll get out of this." Uh, but no, then he, then Madman comes over there, and uh, his belt buckle, which also says TP on yeah. it, like his own initial. There's real, there's real fancy. <laughs> <laughs> TP, TP buckle, and then he pulls it up down by the belt buckle and snaps his neck pulls him off the tree limb. I think I need a TP belt buckle. I'm not a yeah, belt buckle guy at all. But I just, no, I won't. No. If I had one, it's got to say TP. <laughs> What's that stand for? Toilet paper. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody knows what his name stands for. I, 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 that was another thing I saw in one of those interviews on the special features. That uh, they didn't, nobody, well, I don't know about nobody, but the guy, the actor who played uh, Madman, Ellers. Yeah, Paul Ellers. Uh, he couldn't remember his name at all. And maybe Gary Sales and, uh, you know, Joe Giannone that wrote the script, maybe they knew what TP stood for. But but he did mention about Quentin Tarantino in some convention or some something or other mentioned, oh, yeah, it stands for toilet paper. <laughs> he didn't make the toilet paper. <laughs> Aha, I was right, inadvertently. Right. Yeah. yeah toilet paper i guess in the end it doesn't matter you know what the fuck you know but yeah that is kind of random yeah the fancy belt really sets sets the mood sets the whole thing off really um yeah, if only had whipped it off and like like pooty tang <laughs> <laughs> pooty tang talk about crapster piece there you go pooty sure we'll get to it yeah yeah I'd say that falls somewhere between Colt Corner, at that that weird mystic place of between Colt Corner and Crapster Peace Theater. That's that's Pooty Tang. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, the next the next death is Dave gets the axe. Then after that, that's where Stacy gets decapi- decapitated by the truck hood. Now that's perfect placement too. That's a clean oh, yeah. fucking <laughs> clean cut with a with a fucking old truck hood. And then I Straight love, up. I love when uh, uh, that has happened, and then it's Ellie that's out in the woods with Bill. Bill and Ellie, they're a couple. 
they go out, you know, because throughout the movie, everybody one by one, as as these movies usually do, somebody like, oh, so and so's missing. You need to go find them, and then the next person goes missing. You need to go find them. You know, that's that's the formula. So Bill and Ellie go out together, and they're out looking for uh, Stacy, whoever the fuck they're looking for. And she looks over and she sees Madman o- over the body of Stacy with no head and then she starts screaming or whatever. But I love that Madman is just looking at it <laughs> when she looks over at him. And then you, Madman is just looking at the body like, God damn. <laughs> I, I, I just chopped this bitch's head off with the hood. It's like, he didn't even, you know, like I didn't understand my strength, you know, I underestimated myself. It's just the way he was standing there looking at it. And then like, he hears Ellie like, huh? and then looks over, you know, and starts chasing her. But yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and then when, Bill and Ellie go, she makes him go over to the truck, like, because, like, I just saw some heinous shit, but of course they go over there and the body's gone, Madman's nowhere to be found, and then, like, they just jump in the truck and try to start it up, and it's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. opens up the hood, and there, uh, Stacy's head is stuck in the engine. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know if the version y'all watched on Tubi, uh, you said on Tubi? Yeah, I was on Tubi, where I watched, yeah. I don't know if the audio is cleaned up or not, but I've never heard this before, but when he first tries to start the engine, you can hear a little bit of a meaty, like a meaty, sli- like the fan blade yeah. in the head. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, it like right. I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then right after that is where he kills Bill. Now, did he break Bill's back? Because like, he's just holding, <laughs> this is like, as he's chasing Bill and Ellie both, he just pick. he just grabs a hold of Bill and holds him up in the air. Then I think you hear a crack or something, so I assume he just snapped his back. I think it's like, yeah, I assume that they just didn't have the budget to do like Jason did in part six. I think it was part six where Jason like snapped that guy, basically yeah. like just bends him in half almost. I guess they didn't have the budget to really do that, so they just implied that he, I guess. I think it's still a pretty cool visual shot, though, where he's holding him up in the air, you know. But it's kind of cheap ass because like the noises he's making doesn't match his mouth. And you know, then you just hear some kind of crack. I was kind of expecting the, like you said, just over the knee, you know, Bane breaking yeah. Batman's back, snap, you know, but no, you didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you didn't get that. It's just kind of, they kind of uh, bitched out on that one, but like you said, the budget, I'm sure. Uh, but then right after that, Ellie gets the ax to the chest. So that, there goes Bill and Ellie. <laughs> and then I guess, well, I guess that's like the last death. Well, no, Betsy, right? There's Betsy because she is chased around or, you know, she's, I guess she's kind of chasing after him. Right. And then she ends up, getting slashed like on the cheek or something and then he just yeah. drags her and does the old uh and then he just drags her and does the old leather face <laughs> on the meat hook yeah i mean not quite maybe not quite as effective as the leather face texas chainsaw one, but effective enough you know yeah you actually get to see the, the spike coming out like whereas in texas chainsaw you just you know he hangs on the hook but you don't see it come out the front of her like yeah you know. so there was a little bit more gore in, in this meat hook hanging what do we think about the way all this plays out at the end. So Betsy, like, like I just described, she gets meat hooked. Then she pulls out a knife and stabs <laughs> Madman in the back, and he's just bah! and and then <laughs> he's grunting throughout the yeah. Well, he never. I don't think he ever says a word. He's just like a Sasquatch, like fucking <laughs> rumble. She stabs him in the back, and then the place just catches on fire. So I, obviously you assume Betsy's dead, right? Or like maybe that's her last gasp, right? She stabs him, bleh, she's dead. But then he just kind of like, he just kind of slowly turns around like, what the fuck, you know, you stab me in the back. And then the place catches on fire. <laughs> and then Max, who's the camp counselor or, you know, the lead uh, camp director, I guess that's the, that would be what he is. Mm-hmm. He finally shows back up, but he finds Richie. who, By the way, Richie's the one that started all this shit, <laughs> right by... By standing up at the campfire and yelling out, Madman Mars. And then the whole movie, he's just slowly walking around the house, out in the woods. Madman never fucks with him. But he's the one that emerges from the woods. Max finds him and uh, he says something like, Mad Madman Mars is real or something like that, right? And then that's yeah. when they, they play the song. So, I mean, what do we think about how all this goes? Like, as far as like all your final girl tropes are kind of out, out the door here, right? Like... There is no final girl, even though you would think she would have been it, right? Yeah, I I I get the gist that they were trying to to mix it up a little bit because all your I don't know about all, but most of your movies prior to this slasher films did have a final girl, and also like you said, Richie, he would have been the first one to go if yeah. this were a convinced, or you know, 
the more conventional style. Like he, he's the one that caused the mess basically. And he's wandering out in the woods. He would generally be the first one you would think that would be killed, but he's the one that survives all the way to the end. Yeah. And if he, if he's not the first one to go, you think he is eventually definitely getting it, but nope. Mm. And, and the kids, that's the only other people that live. Well, right? True. They, yeah. Yeah. The, well, and Max. I kind of like that they did that. They didn't go like, you know, textbook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That reminded me. Uh, and I actually made a note of that. And I kind of forgot to go back to it when she's got all the kids on the bus and like they're taking off. And then he just runs out in front of the bus and she stops. And then of course he immediately goes over there and tries to get in the door. And then she grabs a, I don't know what broom handle, some kind of wooden stick. And she's just wearing <laughs> his ass out, man. Like uh, uh, it's like five minutes. of her just like slapping the fuck out of his hand. <laughs> and then eventually he's like, Oh, <laughs> he eventually draws back and then you know but then she's like all right i gotta go take care of this for some reason like she takes it upon herself like i'm the one that's got to end this that's where i think it it does differentiate itself because like she's clearly like the heroine of the story you know they've set it up here we go and i guess in a way she was but you know ultimately you know he killed her ass and then he survives you know so like that's where it really is a whole lot different from a lot of these type of movies, for sure. I guess the ending is fine, especially if you put it in the context of maybe they're thinking sequel, right? Like, because they definitely set it up for, you know, you could do it again, right? Well, yeah, yeah. and I did re- hear a little bit about that, that they were going to do a sequel. I don't know why it never came to fruition, but that, uh, and a possible in the sequel that that uh, Richie would be blamed for the murders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, you know, did, well. yeah, yeah, you could see that. You could see that, I mean, because, like, He's the one that kind of started it, right, in all their eyes. Because at the campfire, he's the one that starts this shit. And then at the end, he's one of the last ones standing. So you could see that somebody might try to pin it on him kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, but there might be a story there. One thing I I did re- read, you know, kind of tied to that, is said, uh, <laughs> thing is, it's it said, yeah, a sequel hasn't been made yet. Uh, I was like, well, it's been 40 fucking years. <laughs> you know, even Galen Ross, do, you know, doesn't want to fucking talk about it. No. Yeah, but, you know, I'd say this no, is... Nobody uses their fucking name. I'd say in some ways, though, this is kind of a hidden gem of the slasher movies mm-hmm. and of summer camp slashers and that kind of stuff. You know, like, this probably isn't one that a lot of people have seen, you know, especially when you compare it to Jason and some of the other fair, you know, the burning even. There's probably more of a groundswell over the last 10 years or so to to see more of this than there would have been prior to that, right, Smoke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and also look at, look now at what you have with the Mutilator. You had the Mutilator that came out in 1984, and now they have a sequel to that coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know. I mean, you could do that, I guess. I mean, you would have to, I don't know that you would be able to use the same actors. You know? No, but that, that, I wouldn't think that's entirely necessary anyways, considering the look of Madman Mars, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like Jason. Like, it could be anybody under there, really. It doesn't have to be the same yeah. dude, you know. He's already dead, right? I mean, they're calling I him guess. up. I mean, it's the zombie version of Jason, sort of. I mean, as far as, you know, an unstoppable, or Michael Myers, for that matter, an sort of unstoppable killer. I guess that does beg a couple questions. Number one, is Madman Mars dead? Mm. Like, throughout this movie, is he, like... An immortal, like a spirit, yeah, or whatever. some immortal fucking thing that lives in the woods. Is he, or is it just? Have a, a desec- they desecrated his site, right? His grave site thing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess he's supposed to have been dead. I mean, what? But I mean, even that though, you know, what did they bury? Did they? Did yeah? It could be argued either way. I guess that, that he wasn't really wasn't in that grave or whatever. Mm. Uh, the way I took it personally is that yeah, he is. They are they are calling him up, sort of supernatural in a way. Because they said his name above a whisper. <laughs> I like that little caveat because that, that's how they differentiate it from Bloody Mary. You know, like, you know, usually it will be like, yeah. oh, if you say his name three or four times, here he comes. You know, but no, this one's just, if you say it above a whisper, <laughs> here he comes. <laughs> Did I whisper it? Oh, I don't know if I whispered it. Yeah, what's the whisper line? <laughs> how many, how many, yeah, how many decibel levels do you have to get over before he shows up? <laughs> So I guess one last thing I, I, I guess we could uh, I can ask you about what did y'all think of the the makeup job of Madman Mars? Like, what do you think of the look of Madman Mars? I thought the I mean, I, if you were thinking of this <laughs> hillbilly woodsman that sort of you know come back from the dead, so to speak, that I guess they struck that right. I mean, he's got the coveralls, he's got that, he's got the nose thing where part of his nose got cut off, which they mentioned in the folklore. Yeah, they did mention that. Yeah. 
and his wild ass hair and the beard and all that stuff. It's very backwoodsy. Like it kind of gives you that vibe too, that backwoods hillbilly vibe. Mm. Donnie, what do you think? What do you think of the look? Not really anything, you know, special about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I only ask because like that that's the one thing that kind of brought it down just a slight peg for me was like the look wasn't I mean I think it's fine. It's fine for what it is. I'm not, you know, shitting on it too hard. It's just they spend a good portion of the movie not showing you his face. Yeah, I would have them you know, too much. You know, I would, I would ra- would have them would have rather of them not show <laughs> whatever go. the fuck. Yeah, that, I get it. Just yeah, don't yeah. show his face. Yeah, or, or at like least his, show it very little. Like a, it's like the Jason yeah. deal. Like he's got the mask. You don't have to go crazy. But usually, once in the movie, so, you're gonna see yeah. somebody knock that mask off, and you're gonna oh fuck, he's all fucked up. And then they put the mask back on, move on. So yeah. I, I know, think that's another thing that it has in common with the burning. Not that not that they look the same, but that the makeup for the burning wasn't that great. And that's because Tom Savini himself said that he didn't have time. Yeah. The time that he would have liked to have made the, the look of Crossy yeah. in that movie the way he wanted it to. So uh, he was kind of rushed. So yeah, he was, he was kind of a, it was kind of a, what do you call that? A, uh, not a letdown, but a, a little bit well, of a disappointment. When yeah, you see yeah. He's not, he's not as fucked up again as you would think he would be in the same thing, I guess, with Madman. Yeah. I'm not expecting it to be, you know, like, you know, on par with what you would see today. But, you know, I guess I was just expecting the look to be a little better than it was. But, you know, so that brings it down just a nudge for me. But, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll see if that re- is reflected in our ratings here in, a, here in just a second. So, um, I guess, I mean, does you guys, you guys have anything else you want to point out before we get to the ratings? Other than I was going to mention about, have, you, have y'all seen Hatchet at all? Yeah. No, uh, I, I want to see I've that seen, and I've just never sat down I, and watched it. I've seen the first three. You've seen what? You, I've only seen the first one, I think. I've seen the first three, and then I've watched uh, Victor Crowley, which is not... Yeah. So how many have there been? Three or... I I assume at least four, I guess? Four or five? At least four, yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't... I I think I even own Hatchet on Blu-ray, and I've just never sat down and watched the damn thing. It seems like... I I mean, I haven't really heard them talk about, like, special features, what exactly they were influenced by, but I would have to say Madman Mars would be a little bit of influence for Victor Crowley, because, I mean... But if if you were to take the Madman up, do it the way that maybe you're thinking in your head that it should look, mm-hmm. you pretty much, I would think you would come up with a Victor Crowley. Look. Yeah, and you're not wrong there because yeah. I have seen Victor Crowley. You know, I've seen the you know the makeup. I've seen what he looks like. Yeah, you know, you're definitely you might have nailed it right there. And you know the axe, the hatchet. So I don't know if they they were you know I'm sure they had to be some somewhat influenced by madman yeah one thing i didn't really like was like how he looked kind of grayish you know Mm -hmm. it's like i mean yeah i guess maybe rotting skin i know he's old uh and we're not really sure if he's like you mentioned like we're not really sure if he's a he's an entity or like a a spirit or a fucking ghost or if he (laughs) is really this real really old fucked up looking man yeah you know that's true about the mask being that you got you have two colors that that are no there's no contrast the hair and the beard are white yeah. and the mask is that light grayish look, yeah. so you don't really have contrast there. Yeah, I just I wasn't really a fan of the uh, the makeup, just not really anything special. Now, yeah, maybe that's the way to put it. It's like it's not bad. It's just nothing special, you know. So, yeah. but I think that you know for me it, it just took it down a little nudge. So. Um, I, I guess I'll go ahead and get us started with the star ratings. I, I really love this movie. I think it's a, a you know a very good example of a summer camp slasher flick. But it's not quite say you know just for recency bias, so to speak. You know, we just talked about the burning uh, mm. back in June last month, and it's not as good as the burning. I'm not saying anyone has said that it is. You know, although I'm sure there are certain people out there that say, no, this is better. You know, but in my opinion, this this isn't quite up to the level of the burning. That, but that being said, I still enjoy, I really enjoy this movie. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a flat three stars. Tommy, what do you got? I did like this one. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I, I had seen it before several years ago. I haven't seen it since. Um, I did think it was kind of um, it's kind of slow, but still, uh, despite all that, I, I mean, I'd still recommend watching it. Uh, would I see it again? Yeah, I'd probably see it again. I'm, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna echo your your rating and uh, give it three stars. All right, Professor, that leaves you. Yep, yeah, and mine pretty much on par with y'all. I didn't like it as good as The Burning. I mean, it's up there as far as 80s slasher movies go. It's, it's up there. You know, there's, there's a ton of them that came out, and there's a ton that are way worse. So I, I really do like Mad Men. 
don't like it quite as much as burning. Yeah, pretty much same. the same as like, for the same reasons that we had mentioned. It's sort of a mm-hmm. you know, makeup job is it, it gets the job done, but I mean it's not you know not the greatest. You would you would expect maybe maybe a little bit more. But then you know we said that about Cropsy. You know you would expect a little bit more from Cropsy too. But that movie just had a little bit more else, other stuff going on that that raised the bar a little bit more on it. So kills they had some he had some decent kills. We talked about that like the hood you know <laughs> jumping on the hood and setting yeah. your head off and trying to start it and. So they had some interesting kills. Uh, not the most uh, inventive kills. I mean, decapitations we've seen many times before. It's got the hang- the hanging scene was pretty cool. And even though when you think about hanging, you know that's not when you talk about slasher movies, you usually think of splatter, and the hanging is. Mm-hmm. Off. But it was cool the way they they set that up. But with him, his whole thing of like putting this rope around people's necks because he did it to how many people did you do that to? At least two, right? Where he drug them drug them through the woods with a rope on the neck. Yeah. And that was part of his that was part of his origin lower, right? Yeah. Like about the hanging. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kinda of cool that he's like throws this rope around and he just drags him to the woods and then and then drag tries to drag him up and hang him on the, the uh, on a tree limb and he did get to do that with a I can't remember the guy's name right now. T P. Okay. Oh, uh T P. Yeah, T P. Yeah, T P's oh, the one yeah, who hung you. You can't forget <laughs> yeah, that, the that'll... you can't forget the belt buckle, if nothing else. Right, belt buckle, yeah. Yeah. So you know it's got it's got some cool kills in it, but nothing really jumps out at you as, as super inventive or whatever. Mm. But get the job done, uh, and we'll get to the gore score level and all that stuff a little later. But uh, I think I'm gonna go with uh, you know I gave the I gave the burning three and three quarter stars. So what I'm kind of wrestling with is where I want to give this right where y'all were, or I'm gonna give a little bit more. But I don't th- I think I'm gonna stick with the three. I'm gonna ask for the three. And that's the beautiful part of as we always say about the fourth anniversary show is that you know. Yeah. If you want to have a little bit more time to stew on it, you know, you can go up or down there. So there, there is that. But, um, and as we said earlier, Will's not with us, you know, he's, he's on assignment. So we will get his thoughts on it, uh, very soon and we'll let you know what the total consensus is. But as far as all three of us, we give it three stars across the board. So that means even adding his in, you know, unless he gives it a zero or something, (laughs) there's a steep curve. That means, you know, we're probably going to be in that two and a half to three star neighborhood overall. So we'll, we'll find out when, uh, he's uh, able to come back on but um we're not quite done with this one yet connections from the crypt <laughs> always like the mm-hmm. let it finish mm-hmm. um yeah for the crew side uh special effects uh artist uh Matt Vogel did the special effects for Madman, or I'm sorry, worked on the special effects crew for uh, Madman. Um, he also ties back to our previous episode uh, on Street Trash a uh, long time ago. Hmm. Uh, and a more recent episode, episode 100, uh, he did the uh, special, he was on the special effects crew for Frankenhooker. Ah. So that's the crew connection, uh, and we also have one cast connection. And, you know, we mentioned it uh, previously, Galen Ross ties back to our Creep Show episode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she will eventually tie into Dawn of the Dead whenever we finally get around to that one. Of course. (laughs) That is one of the big ones. That would be it for her filmography. Yeah, yeah, and then we just did her entire filmography, unless we dive into her documentaries. But, yeah, we'll we'll get the kill count from uh, Will next time he's on, but for now... Gore score. Yep, and uh, I did reference my Chaz Valen Deep Red Horror Handbook, uh, where he has the gore score in the back of it. Also, he's got a gore score book because it pretty much reprints the stuff that was in the back of Deep Red. But it, at any rate, uh, anybody listening to the show long enough knows that uh, the gore score is based on Chaz's gore score that he created for uh, his columns in Gore Zone and his Deep Red magazine and his Deep Red book and his gore score book. And more gore scores. There's some stuff out there for you to track down if you want some uh, some good old school horror. Uh, but at any rate, uh, he gave this one a four for the gore score. And I, you know, what I usually do is if he's done one, I'll reference it and I'll mention it on the show, and then I'll decide whether I want to go with that or up it or, or make it or down, bring it down or whatever. I don't know. I think, I mean, it had you know a couple of decapitations, some some axe chopping. It had it. Not that it was super gory, but the fact that they his kids too. Remember when they're telling his back the backstory of his folklore? 
he killed his wife, then he killed his son and his daughter. And uh, they kind of, as they're telling the story, they kind of show this. I mean, it's not super graphic, but damn, he's, he's talking about, you know, and then he goes into the room and he chops his son. And then, then he goes across the hall in the other room and there's his daughter and he whacks her in the head or however they, you know, say it. Yeah, yeah. Or kind of show it. So, I mean, it's kind of like, damn, he's like, damn, that's, that's really fucked up. Even though it's not super gory, I mean, it's, you know, usually you don't see, that's another thing we didn't really mention. The, the kids in the camp, of course, none of them get killed. But usually in these movies, you don't see any slasher movies generally kids are kind of off limits when it comes yeah. to if they should be, you know. But uh, this one breaks that taboo a little bit when they're telling his, his backstory. And anytime you do that, that's kind of, you know, it's pretty messed up if you're going to show that. So uh, they, that that alone gets a, goes up in the gore score a little bit. You have the inventive and humorous decapitation by car hood that we talked about. <laughs> you have the, uh, the hanging, which is not gory, but just well done. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. And then you have the, the, uh, the meat hook, which is pretty cool. I mean, he, you know, he, what did he do right before the meat hook? He did something else there, right? I forget now. He slashed her like on the jaw. Mm. <laughs> slashed her jaw, and then you actually see her yeah, cheekbone. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, like a cheekbone under there. Then he hangs her on the meat hook, and then she pulls out the knife and stabs him. So that, you know, that's a little bit of season down a little gore right there. And like, as I said, too, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Toby Hooper wasn't trying to be overly gory. He was trying to actually do some stuff in that movie that would make your mind kind of go to certain places to complete the nastiness of a scene, like limbs being sawn off. He didn't really, you know, saw too many people up for Texas Chainsaw Massacre on screen. But uh, so the meat hook scene, you see him hang Sally Hardesty on the meat hook, and you see her back, and then you see her reaction to it. But you never see a meat hook come out of the front side. Well, Madman actually shows the meat hook coming out the front, so... So you got that gore as well. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with a five. I'm gonna bump it up one from Taz. And and you know in that last scene there, uh, where he puts her on the meat hook or whatever, there's all the other dead bodies in that room too. You know, so you yeah. you, you kind of see the whole collection there. You know, <laughs> right before it, it burns. Yep. What happens there? I don't forgot oh. what caused the fire. Did a lantern knock over or something? Was that what it was? Yeah, well, it was a candle or or, or a lantern. It was a candle on a tape. When she stabbed him, he knocked it over. When he's like, oh. <laughs> 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 and then it starts the fire because there's hay right there, right? A whole bunch of hay. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it was. I just blank. I just remember like the weird transition, like the slow dissolve when he when the fire starts, and then he just kind of ah, and then it dissolves away to the whole Max Richie scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's Madman, and that's our thoughts on it. And we'll get Will's as soon, as, uh, you know, first chance we get when he comes back on the show. Uh, before we completely. Tap out on this one, though. I'll give you the, the, the usual aggregate scores, the critics. IMDb gives it 5.1 out of 10 stars. Now, that's more of an audience score, but you you know that's the score that they give on IMDb. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, this is rare. The tomato meter and the audience score are the exact same percentage. Both, mm. are, both are at 36%. Not very good, but not the worst, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you don't expect this type of movie really to get high critic marks, so there you go. Um, all that matters is that we love it. So there you go. Next week, we go back to cult corner and, uh, we spun the wheel over on deadline horror news to choose this one. And we landed on summer camp from 1979. Now this was my choice, although it was the luck of the wheel that chose it. So I can't be completely to blame for this, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, you kind of had your pick (laughs) of what (laughs) movies to Uh, Submit. Don is saying you don't get the easy way out. Yeah, shit. Yeah, well, here we are. That's all right. And here we will be next week for our next cult corner. You know what though? I can't really say anything because you know of of my my crapster piece. Yeah, your your four (laughs) no crapster piece streak. You know until uh, (sighs) until smoke finally beat it with camp blood. But uh, I'll read the synopsis from IMDb for summer camp. The director of a failing summer camp decides to invite campers from 10 years ago for a free weekend event, hoping that he can trip them and trick them into fixing up the place. And there's more, but I'm just going to leave it there. So yeah, we'll get into that next week. Really? I guess that's it guys. Uh, we'll let, we'll let the legend of Madman Mars, uh, play us off here in the end. So I guess for, uh, Donnie, the professor smoke, and of course, Will, who couldn't be with us. I'm Josh. And we are the all American spook show podcast and camp spook show continues next week. Our latest cult corner, summer camp. Lore of the campfire, telling of his horror.
Penitentiary.